you know, we're, we're all open to adapt and, and change according to, you know, what needs to happen. You know, we're not setting our ways or trying to, trying to protect something that's, you know, uh, something that represents Emory. We're just trying to be who we are, write the music that we feel like is, is we want to write and then just do it, have fun with it. Welcome to Long Live the Music, a podcast from It's All Dead, made by music fans for music fans. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to Long Live the Music. I'm Kyle Hawk. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Very excited to welcome Devin Shelton of Emory. On Friday, they put out their new album, Rub Some Dirt on It. And uh, if you were a follower of It's All Dead or a regular listener to this podcast, you know that we are fans of Emory. Um, Our own Nadia Alves actually wrote the review on the new album, uh, which she absolutely loved. You can check that review out at It's All Dead dot com. Um, but it was a pleasure to have the chance to talk with Devin, not only about this new album and the creation uh, process behind it, but just what's changed for this band over the past 20 years. Um, it, it's kind of crazy to to think about how long this band uh, has been in our lives. And, uh, you know, a few years ago when we did our deep dive Emory podcast, I kind of talked about um, you know, where I was at when uh, their debut album, The Week's End, came along in 2004, and then The Question in 2005, and uh, this band was kind of at the epicenter of everything that I was listening to and interested in at that time, and uh, their music has meant a lot to me over the years, um, and it's been cool to kind of follow along on a really unique journey this band has had, and uh, we talk about that with uh, Devin, which you'll hear. He has a lot of really great insights of, you know, being in this band and uh, being around for as long as they have now, what they've learned along the way and uh, how they've put that into practice and how it manifests itself in their career now. So I think you're really going to love this conversation. So let's jump right into it. Here's Devin Shelton of Emory. All right. So happy to welcome uh, Devin Shelton of Emory onto the podcast today. Uh, Emory, as we have discussed, they've got a new album coming out on Friday. It's called Rub Some Dirt On It. Excited to talk about that with Devin and so much more. Uh, Devin, thanks for taking time to come on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is the ninth studio album uh, from Emory. Um, I don't know why that surprised me to see the number nine. It just feels like oh, yeah. it feels like that's a lot now. Nine albums. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I want to talk a little bit uh, just to get started about the genesis of this album, because I I think I remember that this was originally designed to be like a live recording turned into like, hey, the the live performance of this is the album. Now we're getting a studio version. Talk a little bit about where this album came from and kind of how the it's evolved as you've uh, gone along here. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of had the idea, um, I guess it's it was early last year um, about, you know, just how, what were we going to do for our new album and trying to just brainstorm about that. And with, with COVID, you know, kind of, um, you know, pushing people to do more digital albums and, you know, kind of doing more of the live stream, uh, sort of thing. When we fell into that and we did a few of our albums, um, you know, we just loved how that art form turned out. We just really thought those were just super fun, really high quality, Um, and so we just, we were kind of blown away by, by all that. And so after we did those, you know, we were looking to the new album and we just kind of had the idea to try something similar for the new album. Um, and so we had, I think we had like two, you know, writing sessions, maybe like 
two or three days at a time. It wasn't very much. Uh, we, we came up with some ideas on our own a little bit here and there. And then we got together a couple of times and we're like, okay, we're just going to, we're going to record this live. We're going to have, you know, a camera crew, have our full audio set up multi-track and just go for it. And, yeah. uh, so, so we did, you know, we kind of thought, you know, let's try and take it back to a little bit more of the older, you know, live recordings, you know, they, you know, they did early on, especially in like the sixties and seventies where you just, mm -hmm. Um, you kind of go in there and you just jam it out and, you know, you get the best take you can get. And so that's what we were going for. And, uh, we did. And so, um, we released that, you know, in full basically to our, our online community. And we even had it all on YouTube for a while. And, um, and then we were like, you know, we love how it turned out all the live sound and we kept everything live, except we ended up doing, redoing all the vocals uh, for the studio version. And we added some, you know, some guitar here, there bass sure. edits here, there, um, a few things like that. Um, but ultimately is still, you know, mostly live and except we went back and redid the, the vocals. So there is a live version with the vocals as they were live. And then there is a studio version with some of those updates. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool to kind of have both options there for people to kind of choose which experience they want to have. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's turned into a really uh, one creative idea to begin with, but just, uh, cool to kind of see it come to fruition in this way. Um, we've got one of our writers, Nadia Alves, who's uh, going to have her review up here soon before it drops on Friday. I haven't listened to the whole album, but I've had a chance to, I mean, obviously I've listened to the live stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, one of the tracks that stood out to me that I, I think I've, enjoyed the most is I don't know you at all. Uh, classic Devon song. I want to talk about cool, that thanks. in a minute. But uh, tell me a little bit uh, about just that song specifically the inspiration for that. Yeah, uh, the idea for that one came came around pretty early on in the, you know, in the process, I think I even had the idea of just kind of before we, we were even writing the new album, it was just like, hey, I just kind of had this drum loop idea and a um, little bit of that uh, chorus, um, vocal idea. And so when we were kind of getting into the album, you know, I was talking, me and Matt and Toby were talking, I was like, yeah, it'd be cool. You know, we could do a little bit more loopy kind of stuff, you know, just kind of build off of the same drum beat and just kind of make it a little bit more dynamically swelling and, you know, kind of go that way. And so that's kind of how musically that one got started. Um, you know, I just kind of sent the drum beat to Dave, you know, we always do voice memos and I was just kind of like doing it with my mouth and just like, Hey, you know, just try something like this, see how, you know, you feel about it. Yeah. And, um, and then Matt, we kind of worked on some keys and, uh, I had this, uh, when I sent, so we have a guy named Chris Keen, who's, who plays in our band now too. And he does guitar and he, he plays some bass on the record and stuff. He's, he's a phenomenal musician, but I sent him the idea. Cause he'll, a lot of times he'll take mine and Toby's um, really, really rough demos or voice memos or whatever the case might be. And he'll turn those into a pretty much a full or not fully arranged, but like a full layout of a song in a yeah. session. And so I sent it to him and I had like a, some kind of cheesy sounding little guitar part for the chorus, like, you know, I was just trying to come up with some, I had, I wanted to give him the idea, like I want right. this feel and this rhythm. And he sent it back with this really cool guitar guitar line. And um, that kind of makes the song for me is just kind of having that in the chorus with everything else going on. And then uh, lyrically, it kind of just stems back to when I was a kid. Um, 
I, I remember my mom and dad having this just huge argument one time and I was kind of, you know, I was probably seven, eight, nine years old or whatever. And uh, just being how catastrophic that felt, yeah. you know, when you're a kid and you're just like, Oh my God, you know, you don't know what to do. And that, so anyway, that whole experience was, you know, pretty vivid for me. Um, and so anyway, that was kind of how I wrote that song in that way and kind of building off the music a little bit. So. Well, it's the interesting thing again about kind of the live recordings of this, you know, the, you watch the video of that, there, there's just so much emotion that comes through. There's an emotion to the live performance that probably is always going to be specific to that oh, kind yeah. of setting. And uh, yeah. that's a song where it just, especially towards the end, I mean, it just, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot to take in. Well, thanks, um, but I was yeah. thinking as I was listening to that, and I mentioned the the concept of the Devon song, I'm probably not close enough to like the Emory fan base at large to know if this is a thing. And when I'm yeah. saying that, I'm saying like the songs where <laughs> Devon's taking the, the lead vocals, because I was uh, thinking back, just I, I was trying to think of how many songs I could come up with off the top of my head, like Edge of the World, Win Win Situation, uh, Ten Talons, which was a really great uh, B-side from back in the day. Is that is that a thing amongst the, um, you know, Emory's fans that they kind of like to they like that eclectic nature of like one you and Toby have that balance as the mm -hmm. as these two vocalists but then there's these moments where you kind of like step to the front and uh, take the lead vocals yeah I mean you know people you can't help but like and I, I'm not at all comparing <laughs> us to the Beatles or anything like that but in, in the same respect you know people say oh you know you kind of you kind of separate the the Paul songs and the John songs, and I mean that's pretty <laughs> yeah. that's pretty standard. But yeah. they had two phenomenal songwriters, and and great vocalists and musicians. And so in the same regard, we kind of consider ourselves like we never, nobody ever really cared about being necessarily the front guy. It wasn't. I mean, Toby sings more songs, you know, because he's just a really fast writer he writes songs really quickly and he's really good at at that and so it just kind of naturally happened that way to where yeah. he will have more songs on the album you know and, and just generally because he he does write quickly and so and i usually have four or five songs on an album or whatever typically and so it's always been just like hey yeah if you have an idea you know write it out and this is how we'll play it out and and whatever song idea you have you'll sing that's just kind of how it's always done and so um, but yeah, our fan base, they kind of, you know, they, there's obviously different styles between me and Toby and Matt writes a lot of the music too. And so there's different styles we have that people are, you know, people are pretty quick to say, oh yeah, that sounds like a Devin song or that right. sounds a little bit more like a Toby song. So yeah. yeah. Well, in terms of the writing process, as I mentioned, the, this is Emery's ninth album. What would you say is easier now than it was back in, you know, 2002, 2003 and, and what's, what's harder now when it comes to writing an album? Uh, easier, I would say you kind of realize how, f how far you need to take a song or how, how deep you need to go with it. Um, as far as the writing itself, when we, when we wrote the first album, you know, we wrote it over the course of, of a couple of years at least. And then we, we really like, I mean, we, we practiced and rehearsed every song on that album, you know, hours and hours and hours like trying to get every yeah. beat right every hit every drum every bass you know everything was just meticulously planned out and so now that's not the case at all i mean mm. now it's it's like you know you have a song idea and we trust each other so much in the arrangement process and and how the guitar will end up or how the bass notes will 
will complement, you know, that part. And so it's like right now, now it's just basically like I have an idea in my head for a song and I can't get it there by myself. Like I just can't get it there by myself, but I know how it, I know how I want it to sound and I know how it can potentially sound. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I communicate that with Matt and the rest of the guys. And I say, you know, this is how it's got to be. This is how it feels to me. And I know we can achieve that. And then it just, it just gets there. I mean, so, and then there's a point in that writing process now to where it's like pieces and pieces and parts and parts. And then all of a sudden it becomes the song and then, you know, it's there. And that, that didn't really happen that way before, before it was like, you really, really piece it together and you, you just sit there and you bang it out until it's exactly how you want it. And now it's just, we've played together for so long. It's really natural and it happens quickly and you're, much less picky yeah about how those parts are than than we used to yeah yeah that makes sense um you know it's one thing to think about uh you know a career of of nine albums but just you know the the total time uh here i mean i was just looking the week's end came out in 2004 it's officially 18 years old it can go off to college uh it's a lot of time and if you could go back to you know where you all were as a band in those early days making music and somebody told you like hey you know, 18, 20 years later, you're going to be making albums. You're still going to be making music. What would you have thought that was going to look like? Or would you have even been, I mean, (laughs) was that even kind of a part of the way you thought back then? No, probably not. I mean, we've said this before. It's like, if you had told me that, I mean, I probably wouldn't have believed, believed you. It would have been like, well, that's not, there's no chance we're going to (laughs) be playing and making albums 20 to 25 years from now. I mean, that just doesn't seem real or even possible. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of the, back then you just can't back then you're just thinking, okay, I want to, I want to play a show, mm-hmm. you know, or I want to, I want to get paid more than a hundred dollars, right? you know, or I want to <laughs> sell more than 10 t-shirts at a show. So everything was just this building process of like, everything was new and everything was exciting. And you're like, okay, we're building something together here. Um, and then as we got along, you know, within three, four, five years, you know, from the beginning, it's like, okay, well, that maybe this is somewhat sustainable. Maybe we can keep going. Maybe we can make five, six albums or be here for 10 years. And now it's, you know, it's just like, how long do we want to do this? How long mm-hmm. do, are we going to choose to continue to make albums and, you know, play shows and do all this stuff? And so back then it was, you're hoping for the best and you're, building towards something and now it's just we've we've done it and we're here and we've been able to be successful enough and now it's our choice to continue for however long we we want to and feel like we should yeah well that's what's really interesting to me about uh emory specifically um you know you kind of come onto the scene at a time where you're making a style of music that is like a thing that is happening in the moment. And there's this stretch in the sort of mid to late 2000s where you're sort of a, a centerpiece band and uh, you know that whole scene, you take an indefinite hiatus from the band. Um, and there kind of felt like there was this time period of like, you know, okay, maybe this is just like, Emory's given us a lot. Maybe this is, uh, you know, what we get from this band. But then you come back, Emory has this whole second act that is completely different where you guys are doing podcasts, uh, you're crowdfunding stuff, you launch mm-hmm. Emory Land, you've got your own label. And it's almost, I, you you all may not think about it at all, but in my mind, I kind of have like 
Emreact 1, Emreact 2, and there's very clear differences there. And the second half has been so fascinating to see how you've sort of like uh, figured out, at least from the outside perspective, sort of a business model that works, that helps you be as creative as you want to be, connects the fan base, and you're still able to like authentically do all of the things that you love doing about music. Does that feel like an accurate sort of representation yes. of it? Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, that's cool that you recognize that. I mean, that's kind of our hope is that people do recognize that those things, because like you said, that the first part, the first act, you know, you're, like I said, you're trying to build something, you're trying to gain as much momentum and, and fans and popularity as you can and success and all that. And we still wanted to write the music the way we wanted to do it and be a unique band, you know? Um, but yeah, then, like you said, the, the music industry kind of changed, I mean, it changed tremendously. Like after 2008, 2009, I mean, nobody was buying CDs anymore, you know, streaming yeah. kind of started to be a thing and, uh, just the whole industry kind of just crumbled a little bit. And so there was a lull there and that was right around the time that I'd decided to leave the band for a little bit with having our daughter and doing all that stuff. And it wasn't really because anything was getting worse or anything like that. It was just more like, you know what, this is probably my time to move on. Uh, little, like I said, little did I know they were <laughs> going to continue on and on, you know, so, but it was great because I always wanted the band to, to, be, to do well, regardless if I was in it or not. Yeah. But during that time, um, you know, when Emory became independent, and we, like I say, we started crowdfunding and, and kind of going more of that DIY route. Um, you know, that was just like, this just made sense because labels weren't the same as they used to be. It wasn't, things were so different. And now like you could be fan backed and you could raise your own money for all these things. And so that just made more sense for us. And, you know, and, and even now, you know, with our, with Emory land and all that, that still sustains us you know, tremendously, you know, in all the things that we are able to do and try and, and all yeah. that. So, yeah, I mean, I, that's definitely how we view it is like, you know, we had this phase one, phase two, and, you know, you know, who knows, who knows what phase three will be, you know, it's, it, yeah. it might be something totally different. You know, we're, we're all op open to adapt and, and change according to, you know, what needs to happen. You know, we're not setting our ways or trying to, trying to protect something that's, you know, a, a you know, a, something that represents Emory. We're just trying to be who we are, write the music that we feel like is, is we want to write and then just do it, have fun with it, you know? Yeah. Well, it's been amazing to kind of, to watch it play out. And I imagine, you know, for all the hard work that goes into kind of like operating this all as, you know, yourselves, as opposed to having like some other entity that's managing certain parts that you probably have lot more control of now you know we saw it, it wasn't just like an emory moment that was a complete change as you mentioned just kind of in the musical landscape and now like there were new artists coming onto the scene that didn't really need like a label to even distribute their music like everything was changing in terms of how music was getting out there how people were consuming it and as that change happened on the emory side i imagine it was really helpful to have had like 10 years industry experience under your belt like there must have been a lot of things that you gained along the way that set you up to be successful in this, you know, so-called second act. Did it feel that way? Yeah, it definitely did. I mean, you know, understanding, you know, our strengths within the band and, and being able to uh, coordinate those things well within ourselves. And, and, you know, we've always, it, it's a little bit of a, it's, it's a good and bad thing for us. You know, sometimes we, we're DIY to a fault, 
you know, sometimes. Mm. And so, you know, we're like, man, maybe we should like actually get someone professional here to actually do this <laughs> in a, sure. in a much better way to present it in a right way. And so, yeah, we, but definitely having that experience, you know, and learning all these different things within the music industry and business was very helpful for us. And, and, you know, yeah, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit, but now, you know, that we're kind of back with tooth and nail releasing this album and all that. It's like, but labels are so different. You're not, you're not signing these three, four, five album deals for right. little to no money anymore. It's these labels are looking for artists who are like us, who have, I mean, they're looking for young artists too, but they're looking for artists like us who know what they're doing, have success, and then just kind of expand your team to benefit both parties involved. And so that's kind of where we're back around yep. full circle to some degree, you know? Yeah, and I want to get into talking about Labeled Fest, uh, which is coming up, because that was a really kind of cool announcement to see and and sort of a reunion of a lot of yeah. bands from a certain era and a certain label that, you know, kind of seeing them all on the bill together. Uh, similar kind of to last uh, last fall with Furnace Fest. You mm -hmm. know, I one of the things that we just on this show and our site that we talk about, like there, there's always a a heightened level of nostalgia, I think, with the scene specifically, but we've almost entered this period where now, like, you know, for example, when the We Were Young Festival got announced earlier this year, and just the, you know, who could have, I mean, apparently some people expected how crazy the reaction of that was right. going to be, but there's <laughs> almost like this new, there's like a generational divide now where you've got all these people that have kind of like been there all along that are now excited to kind of get back out and relive some of those bands that they fell in love with. Um, is that something that you all have noticed having been again, a part of that scene as it was happening. And then now it almost feels like there's kind of this full circle level of interest in that time period or something. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in a similar way that the music industry changed during that period, like 08, 09 to, you know, late teens. I mean, they're, they're all, like you said, there was a little bit of that, like, man, is, is this actually going to die out or, you know, is it, is everything going to be pop, you know, and, whatever yeah. else, you know, that's going to come. And so, like you said, the past couple of years and with Furnace Fest and, and the, when we were young and like Matt Cutshaw, the emo's not dead guy, he kind of, you yeah. know, has helped with a little bit of resurgence of that stuff. All that's kind of coming back into play. And so that for, for a band like us, you know, we're, we're kind of like some of the grandfathers of, of this thing. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's very different now because like you said, we do have the, the 30 year old, the 35 to 40 year old fans who are there with us. And they have been, you know, they've been in the scene for since the early two thousands. Um, but then like they're this new wave of people who are younger folks that are like listening to our band or they're, they're listening to the scene. And, and there's like a new wave of the, these emo indie, yeah. indie rock kids. And so, but one example is we played a so what fest um i guess okay, it was a few yeah. weeks ago now in texas and um th that's a very diverse festival anyway i mean there's like rap and yeah. hardcore and everything but we were there and uh it was so interesting to me because i i barely recognized the the type of people there it was like yeah. and i know i'm i'm like I'll be 44 next month. So I'm not like a spring chicken anymore or anything, but I, you know, I was like, man, I don't know what type of fan this is. Like, I, I don't know yeah. what this is. And so, but you know, we still had some of the people who would have been there 15 years ago or whatever, but there was all these newer people that almost, it felt a little bit like, um, 
you know, we were revered in a way of like, oh, we get to see, you know, the legendary emo band Emory or whatever. So there was a lot of, there was a little bit more of a feeling of that this time, which we haven't really felt before. I mean, Furnace Fest a little bit, you know, but everybody's kind of a family there and, you know, all the bands are kind of coming back, you know, all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. this was a little different because we were there with some younger, newer bands that I didn't know that are apparently popular. And, um, and so it was just very different. It was a whole different thing. And I was like, wow, this is really something, something new, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, uh, interesting, you know, bringing that up because, uh, one of the things that we do on this podcast, we have specific episodes where we'll do, uh, deep dives into certain artists, discographies, and then we'll have all the people on the show kind of rank the, the albums and for, you know, I think people like those exercises. So those, yeah, yeah. those episodes tend to do well. We did one for Emory a couple of years ago that really, uh, we had much more of a response than I was expecting when we were doing it. But it was funny because our, I mentioned our writer, Nadia, who's reviewing the album, she discovered Emory like in the 2010s. And mm-hmm. so like when we ranked our albums, you know, I've got like weeks end at the top, like our, you could have re- completely reversed <laughs> yeah. our album rankings. And it's just so fascinating. I, and I'm sure you all feel that of like just the the different fans that have come along throughout this entire journey. I'm wondering what that's like as you think about creating music, knowing that you've got the people that have been along for the ride and been there since the early days. And then people that just discovered you from your last album. And there's such a an array of different types of sounds that Emery's created. Is that like in your headspace at all as you're creating music? Or is it just solely like, you know what, we're going to create and the people that are here that will either continue to come along for the ride or not? Yeah. I mean, I think it's always in our, in our headspace a little, you know, because you're always, you know, we write music because we love to write music, but also you write music in hopes that people will like, would want to hear it and want to listen to it. And so that's definitely in our minds, but you know, we don't really, you know, like we don't really adjust anything according to, you know, fan base or who we think the style is or anything like that. It's more just like, we try to track, you know, things as they're coming currently as best we can. We're not like, I don't, like I said, I don't keep track of all, all new music or anything like that necessarily. If I, if I hear something I like, I, you know, I'll start listening to it. Yeah. But generally what we like to do is take into account, you know, some of those things that are happening now that we might have heard of or have, have kind of leaked into our, uh, you know, atmosphere, you know, within Emory and within our scene. And so, um, we like to stay in that realm of like, okay, we want to push the boundaries of like continuing the old and mixing it a little bit with some new stuff and just trying some things like that. So that's kind of our wheelhouse is being able, hope, hopefully that's what people realize is being able to kind of, uh, you know, have that old feel of, of, emo and hardcore and indie rock and kind of add some new fresh yeah. vibes to it. And that's at least what we try to do, you know, to some yeah. it's a tough, uh, it's kind of like threading a needle. And I feel like you were, yeah. you all are definitely a band that has done that as well as anyone. Thanks. Um, going back to labeled fest for a minute. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what that is, what people can expect uh, and how it came to fruition. Yeah. I mean, uh, like you said, um, a little while ago, um, Matt, our guitar player, he does the podcast labeled, uh, for tooth and nail. And so, and solid state, he does all those bands and everything. And so, uh, he's done that for a couple of years now. And, um, we just thought it'd be cool to kind of have labeled, you know, ho- kind of host this 
a little bit, like you said, like a little bit of a resurgence of some of these bands who haven't been together in a long time or, you know, yeah. um, just bringing it back from years and years ago. So, uh, we just thought it'd be cool to have some, some awesome, some awesome bands from that on there. So we got, you know, Norma Jean, uh, Aaron Gillespie is, uh, coming out. He's not doing a full band almost show, but he's doing yeah. his entire Southern weather album acoustic, which will be super cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then we, you know, there's a few different legs of it and we have O sleeper on some Watashi wa who's hasn't been around for a long time. Um, yeah, we have some new bands, idle threat, salt Creek. <clears throat> and so we're just excited to be a part of that. I mean, you know, we wanted it to be a thing to where, you know, Emory doesn't have to be like, we don't have, care about being the headliner or anything like that. Sure. We just want to play with our friends and bands that we like and think is cool. So yeah, we got, we got that coming up in a couple weeks for the Southeast. Then we have a couple more legs after that. So we're, we're excited to be with those bands and just, because we haven't, we haven't done a full band tour since before COVID. I think yeah. it's been almost two and a half years since we played a couple few festivals, but we've done a lot of acoustic stuff, but this will be our first like multiple show full band thing in yeah. quite a while. So it's going to be a yeah. little, little different for us. Yeah. Do you feel, I mean, do you have like anxiety leading up to something like that? Or is it one of those things where you feel like you'll step out on stage and then everything will just kind of like click back into what you'd known previously? What, what's that experience like? Yeah. I mean, everything kind of falls into place pretty quickly, but you know, you definitely have to shake some rust off, um, especially for us, you know, cause we're getting a little older. And so physically, you know, it's, it, I mean, we're all in pretty decent shape, but it, that doesn't really matter. I mean, <laughs> age just age plays a part. So, but yeah. And, and I mean, singing and stuff like that and screaming, you know, that, that, you know, when you're not singing and screaming all the time at home, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, you kind of have to get that, that show, uh, endurance back up because your voice will start to kind of get tired quicker and stuff like that. So even though we do acoustic shows and we do perform quite a bit, um, it's not the same because when you're up there and everything's loud and you're trying to, you know, you're just trying to give it all you got. I mean, you push really, really mm -hmm. hard. And so, um, just getting used to that. I think the first show will just be like really, really draining and you know, that'll just take it out of us and it'll kind of build from there. But yeah, we're excited, um, about it. It's just going to be, you know, it'll take, it'll take a couple of days to kind of get back in the, in the groove, yeah. you know? Well, it was an exciting announcement to see. Uh, and again, just cool to see all those bands on the bill. I, I've been thinking a lot lately about um, the just that time period of like, you know, I mentioned the week's end and they're only chasing safety came out in 2004. There, there, there seemed to be this moment with Tooth and Nail Records specifically that like when you look back on it, it's almost hard to believe that it happened the way that it did. It almost felt like there yeah, was this no. wave building and then boom, this moment where like everybody was in the exact right place at the right time, yeah. making the right music. Um, it, it's fascinating. I And I'm sure that's something you all think about a lot of like, you just, this time period happened that was like, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking today in part because this moment kicked off everything in so many different directions for different bands. Yeah. I mean it, like you said, I mean, looking back on that and thinking about that period of time from like 2002 to 2006 or whatever it was, it was just like, we feel pretty very honored to even be a part of that. I mean, because like, like you said, I mean, we were just trying to make something happen within ourselves, you know, and tooth and yeah. nail wasn't even really on our, we liked tooth and nail bands. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we loved tooth and nail bands, but we were from South Carolina 
and we moved out there not not because of tooth and nail we just moved out there for a good music scene and trying to figure out what we were going to do and trying to you know lessen the distractions of life and everything and so having us be a part of that tooth and nail um just like i said wave is pretty incredible because you know look like i said looking back on that there was so many great bands that came out not of tooth and nail but not only tooth and nail but of right. every indie label at the time yeah. and so uh yeah just being a part of that is like wow i mean that's a pretty small period of history that will probably never be forgotten you know what i mean right. because that yeah. was when emo ultimately became more mainstream mm-hmm. um and more people just fell in love with it so yeah it's it's pretty incredible looking back yeah well, as we wrap up here, anything else uh, in terms of 2022 that uh, people might find in sto- store? Um, you know, got the album, the the labeled yep. fest. Anything else? Well, we're going to be focusing on you know rub some dirt on it this year. We're hoping to do. We still want to do more of the digital albums because we really enjoy it. We think it's a great um, thing for the fans too. So we're hoping to do in shallow seas we sail at some time at some point, okay. which is kind of a fan favorite. <clears throat> yeah. So. We'll definitely get to that later this year, early next year. Um, and, you know, doing some vinyl pressings and things like that, you know, but right now it's like a six, eight month turnaround. So, yeah, you know, right. you got to get started as early as possible. Yeah, we got a lot of things cooking up, so we're excited. Well, we are excited for the album. Rub some dirt on it. Drops on Friday. Uh, make sure you check it out. Devin, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today. It's It's been great to talk with you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. All right, another big thank you to Devin for coming on the podcast. Again, if you haven't had a chance to check out Rub Some Dirt on it, uh, go find it, download it, stream it, buy it, however you consume your music. Um, it's a really great album. And again, come to uh, itsalldead.com to check out Nadia's review of the album and a whole lot more. Um, hope you have enjoyed yourself uh, on the podcast today. That's going to do it for now. I'm Kyle Hawk. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Long Live the Music. If you like our show, come find us on Twitter and Facebook at It's All Dead. And of course, come visit our website, itsalldead.com. <laughs>